never failed us. You've never forsaken us, O God. And we thank you for your goodness and mercies that endureth forever. We thank you that every good and perfect gift we have has come from your loving hand. And we give you honor and praise and thanksgiving for that. Lord, now we thank you for the goodness of your word. And we ask you, Lord, to help us feed on the goodness of the bread of life tonight. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Give us minds that will grasp, understand, and apply your word. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Don't forget, next Wednesday will be the first Wednesday of the month. That means prayer meeting on Wednesday night. So come on out and pray. This We need to pray. Amen. I mean, I know we need to pray as individuals. We need to pray as a church, as a nation. So come on out. If you have your Bibles, go to um, Psalm 26. Psalm 26. We're going to start a new short series, Psalm 26. And again, God bless you. So good to have everybody out for Wednesday night Bible study. If you love the Word of God, then Bible study is for you. Amen? Amen. If you love the Word of God, then Bible study is for you. Now, we're going to read from the New King James Version to get going. But we're going to talk about living beyond reproach. Living beyond reproach. Living above reproach. And so Psalm 26, beginning with verse 1, David says, Vindicate me, O Lord. For I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord. Prove me. Test me. Try me. Try my heart and mind. Examine me. For your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with the idolatrous mortals, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence. So I will go about your altar, O Lord, that I might proclaim with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all your wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house, the place where your glory dwells. Do not gather my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are sinister schemes and right hands are full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in my integrity, Redeem me and be merciful to me. My foot stands in an even place in the congregations. I will bless the Lord. Living beyond reproach. Important message. Important message. We won't look at the Scriptures tonight. Maybe um, somewhere down the road in another session. But being blameless or above reproach, you know that's a necessity for leadership in the house of God. If we were to go to Titus or we were to go to Timothy, they use the word above reproach or blameless. And it says they must be. It's an absolute standard for for those that are going to lead God's people. But in this psalm, David is falsely accused, so he takes four steps to deal with the slanderers. And in it, he speaks about integrity. We want to study the importance of having such integrity. We're going to break up our thoughts in these next few weeks. Number one, we're going to see an honest examination. An honest examination. That's verses 1 through 3. An honest examination. But secondly, we're going to see a holy separation. A holy separation. That's verses 4 and 5. Then David gives us a happy celebration. Verses 6 and 8 says, I can't wait to get to God's house where the glory is. Amen? He says, I want to get where God's people are. I want to get where God's presence is strong. And that's a happy celebration. There we go. And then lastly, a humble determination. 
a humble determination. You've got to make up your mind where you're going with God. You've got to make up your mind. It's not just something repeat after me. It's a determination. It's a sacrifice. It's a commitment. And you'll see at the very end of this, a humble determination. That's verses 9 through 12 where David says, But as for me, others can do this, others can... But as for me, I'm going to walk in my integrity. Amen? I think the NIV will say, I'm going to walk in my blamelessness. I'm going to walk blameless. Blameless. So let's look at this. An honest examination. Living above reproach demands of you and I an honest examination. Now, we're going to break down our first Roman numeral into three points. Verse 1, 2, and 3. There's walking in integrity. There's practicing moral examination. And then there's living out God's truth. Not enough to know it. We've got to do it. Amen? Now, not just a, a, a believer, but a doer of that Word. So we're looking at this now. In honest examination, if I want to live above reproach, and really God has called us as believers to live above reproach, to live holy, to live pure, to be people of integrity and honesty and sincerity. And so number one, an honest examination is required if we're going to walk this place with God. Now human nature, if we're honest, human nature doesn't like to admit when it's wrong. You don't, I don't. If you say you do, well, then you can repent of lying too. Amen? The human nature don't like to confess it's wrong. And isn't that true? Let's be honest. You're in church. You can do that. But we still need to examine ourselves and let God's Word and Spirit examine us. It's important to spiritual health and hygiene. It's important. It's a safeguard if we're going to live this life. So again, friend, listen. Finish in a way that leaves no doubt. I believe I'm talking to some people. I know your final years of your life. Can I give you a bit of encouragement? Live in a way that leaves no doubt. And even if you're young, live in a way that leaves no doubt of who you served and what you believed and where you stood with Jesus. Amen? But it needs an honest examination. Because the heart's deceitful and the world's seductive. And compromise is the story, and there's a lot of phonies out there, a lot of phonies. And, and um, but you know, the Bible says the greatest commandment, Jesus was asked this, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God. Love the Lord thy God. With, what, with all, with all thy heart, with all thy might, with all, with all your effort and all their sincerity. With all, and you cannot do that without practicing proper examination, spiritual examination. The Bible teaches, let a man examine himself. So the first part here, under an honest examination, David says, I walk in my integrity. Verse 1, verse 1, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. Or the NIV, I've led a blameless life. I've led a blameless life. I've walked in integrity. So David is saying, vindicate me, or literally judge me. God judge me. He's being accused. He's separating himself from the false. But he appeals to God for vindication. Now, this is interesting, because, you know, divine approval is what matters most. Isn't that true? Divine approval. Now, the Bible teaches us that we do and we should judge ourselves. We'll get to that later. That's biblical. Let a man examine himself. Amen? And that's biblical. But also, it's, it's, it's biblical in its context that others examine us. And that's all right. That's biblical. Again, that's biblical. And that's proper that others examine us. But God is the ultimate and the perfect judge of all of us. And so David here is appealing to God. Not just saying, God, 
Vindicate me before them. He's saying, God, before that, vindicate me in your sight. I want to make sure, Lord, that you're approved of me. It don't make, you know, we, we, can, we, we, can, we can sell out the jury, but we can't sell out God. We, we, we can deceive others, but we can't. So David said, listen, Lord, even before you vindicate me before them, I want to make sure I'm vindicated and proved innocent before you, because that's what matters most. Let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. 1 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5. Again, the ultimate and the only fully qualified judge is God. Amen? And so again, well, my goal here, I'm going to walk above reproach. The Bible says in Timothy and Titus, if anyone wants to be an elder or, or a deacon or a pastor, he must be. This word, he must be above reproach. The word above reproach means there's nothing that the world can grab hold of. There's nothing, um, what do you call it, a flagrant foul. Amen? In basketball, there's no flagrant sin that's obvious, that's inconsistent with Christian integrity. And so as I want to walk above reproach, I've got to walk in integrity. But I've got to recognize, number one, if I'm going to walk in integrity, God is the ultimate judge. I'm going to judge myself later on. And others can judge me in a certain way, but ultimately it's God. Paul writes, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. Paul says, you know what? I can judge myself, but how many know our hearts can be tricky? Amen? We, we can judge ourselves, but I'm even limited in that. Even if I'm sincere, I'm kind of limited because I don't know. Sometimes I think I'm better than what I am, and it's easy to justify when it's us. Isn't that right? You know, when, when, it's, you know, when, it's, you know, when it's your kid that does it, you can justify. Someone else's kid, you're ready to have them hung. You know how that works. All right. And I'll just say amen because I know you all. Amen. I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. But look what he goes on to say here. My conscience is clear. Paul says, listen, my, I'm clear as far as I know. But that doesn't make me innocent because I can miss it. It's the Lord who judges me. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives. You know, God cares about our motives. God cares about our motives. Isn't that wonderful? A lot of times we just care, and the man cares about the outward, but God is searching that heart. And he's examining the motives, not just the ends justify the means. God says you can have a lot of means, but if the motives are impure, God says we're going to have a problem. And so God says he'll expose the motives of each man's heart at that time. We'll receive his praise from God. We're thinking about the fact that if I'm going to walk above reproach, I've got to recognize that God is the perfect judge. That's going to help us later on to establish this fact. Go ahead to um, the Hebrews. Go to Hebrews. And um, that's going to help us because later on when we get to the point of examining ourselves, we're going to have to understand that it's not always easy to allow God to examine us. But if I want God to examine me, you know what? I've got to let Him. He, won't, he can't examine me if I don't let Him. You know what I mean? He can't. I have to be a willing. I've got to recognize, Lord, if I want to walk in integrity, if I want to be a man or woman that lives above reproach, then I have to practice examination. And I can examine myself, which I need to, Others can examine me in a proper measure. That's, that's normal. That's okay. But ultimately, Lord, I've got to allow you to examine me because only you get it right all the time. Amen? Only you are accurate. Again, notice Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. And how about um, uh, Hebrews 4? I'm sorry. Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13. It talks about the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
It divides and it separates. Amen? But then it goes on to say, not only does the Word of God penetrate our hearts, but the Word of God actually opens up our hearts so that God who sees all can examine our hearts. Let's do that. Go with me if you would to Hebrews 4 in verses 12 and 13. Hebrews 4 in verses 12 and 13. Look at what it says here. So the Word of God is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You know, folks, that's why it's so important to love the Word of God and to spend proper time in the Word of God. This Word of God will examine us. Amen? It washes us. It examines us. It nourishes us. But it also shines the light of God on us. The Word of God works in so many positive and helpful functions. So we've got to be people of the Word. But listen what he goes on to say here. Not only does the Word of God penetrate, and the Word of God examines, but then he goes on to verse 13 and says, You know what? Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. Look at that. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. Now, those words are in Greek, but in Hebrew, the thought is, you know when you take a piece of fruit, like an apple, a pear, and you cut it right down the middle, and it opens up, right? Laid bare. God takes our hearts, just lays bare. He sees it all. God, nothing in all creation. We can hide it from ourselves. We can hide it from the boss. We can hide it from, from you know, the family. But nothing in all creation is hidden from God's side. We want to understand this. Because we're going to get on. If I'm going to be a man or woman of integrity... I've got to recognize that God sees everything. And I need to accept that. And I need to humble myself before that. And I need to let the one who sees everything examine me. Examine me. Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked or offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So here, David is praying in Psalm 26, Lord, you exonerate me from these false accusations. For I've walked in my integrity. I've walked blamelessly in this matter. So again, integrity, not um, duplicity, not hypocrisy, but integrity means sincerity, innocence. This word really means wholeness of character. You know, like a whole number, an integer, a whole number. Well, that whole number, there's no fraction in this. It's a whole number. Your heart's not divided. Your, your, your love is not divided between two masters. It's a whole and sincere devotion. So integrity speaks of sincerity, innocence, wholeheartedness of character. He's not claiming, now David is not claiming moral perfection, but he's claiming innocence in this case and sincerity before God. And again, an honest examination begins by walking in integrity. Walking in integrity. I'm not divided. I don't have two masters. I'm not double-minded. It's not a duplicity where I act here, there, and I act different over here. It's not hypocrisy where I wear a mask and I just pretend. But it's integrity where there's wholeness and sincerity in how I live and how I walk. Now, let's look at some thoughts here. This is a great defense for the believer. 
When we walk in integrity, it gives no place to the devil. When we walk in integrity, it enables us to live beyond reproach and to live under the blessing of God. When we live in integrity, and again, literally um, blameless, it means there's nothing that the enemy can lay hold of. Nothing Satan can use to ensnare us. Let's look at some blessings that show the importance of walking in integrity. Proverbs 10 and verse 9, the New King James. Proverbs 10 and verse 9. It says to us, He who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. Let's think about that. Those who have integrity, those who live what they believe, live without the fear of some evil being found. There's a great, there is a great um, peace and confidence that comes to the man or woman that's living sincerely and purely before God. When we're hiding something, there's guilt. When we're hiding something, there's tension. But the man who walks with integrity, he walks securely. There's a stability and strength that comes when we live an honest life, when we live a pure life, when we're not hiding or being consistent with, with our life. The NIV says, as opposed to the one who takes crooked paths, they'll be exposed in the end. But the one that walks in integrity, they've got peace in their soul. They've got a clear conscience in the face of whatever they go through, an inner comfort. So, number one, one of the blessings of integrity, he who walks with integrity, walks securely. Amen? Don't have to worry uh, about the IRS because we're not cheating. Amen? Don't have to worry if the boss checks the lockers because we're not stealing. Can you say amen? Don't have to walk if someone goes back and says, hey, uh, you said X, Y, Z, but it looks like, no, 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 man. You can make a mistake, but there's never anything purposely in deception because we live by integrity. Amen? Pure, holy, honest before God and man. Look at this next one. Proverbs 20 in verse 7. Proverbs 20 in verse 7. Again, this is the New King James. If you choose to walk in integrity, that blessing will not only come to you, it will come to your children. We can bless or curse our children. And our walk, our choice of walking in integrity will have a whole lot to do with that. The righteous man walks in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that right? Isn't that true? And when you're a man of integrity, I mean, you're not getting fired off that job as you know you're taking out of the cookie jar. You're, you're not, you know, you're not getting fired because you're cussing out the boss, acting like a heat. No. What happened? Well, you, you lose your job and then your kids pay the price, don't they? You know, our children pay a price, either the blessing or the curse, for how we live. And here the Bible is very clear. The righteous man walks in his integrity. He doesn't talk about his integrity. He walks in his integrity. And his children are blessed after him. Blessing goes beyond him. Your influence, your shadow, those that are under your influence, those in your sphere of authority, are blessed by the effects of your righteousness and your integrity. When you live right, it's not just blessing you, it's blessing them. When you live holy, it's not just blessing you, it's blessing them. When you say, I give no place to the devil, it's putting a shield around them. The righteous man walks in his... Some people talk about integrity. <laughs> 
But the righteous man walks in his integrity. Why? I'm trying to live by reproach. I'm trying to live proper in the sight of God and man. But the Bible says, my children are blessed by my choice of walking in integrity. Now go to Proverbs 28.6. Proverbs 28.6. It's very important in life that we measure what matters with God's scales. How many know that? Don't measure by the world's scales. You'll be sorry someday. You see, a lot of times in the world that we live in, they might use the same lingo, but they use a different dictionary. Come on, say amen. They, they, they use some of the same words, but they have different meanings. Amen? So if we're going to find out what the, what the meaning is, even better than Webster is the B-I-B-L-E. Amen? And we're going to see what does God decree. Now, the Bible says better, God says. Here's God's opinion. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity. God says, in my eyes, you're richer being in integrity, even if in the natural you're poor, in the eyes of God. The world don't think that way, do they? They just buy off who they got to buy off. They lie, cheat, and steal, and just try to throw money around. God don't see it that way. God's not impressed by man's gold, never has been. Isn't that right? How many kings out there, they had more money than 10 Donald Trumps, and God finally said, I had enough of this nonsense. When God said, I got enough, God, oh, look out. So I'm just saying, if we need to get with God's measuring scales for everything. When it comes to how's a proper marriage, what's God's measuring scale said? How's a man treat his wife, what's God's measuring scale said? Amen? Come on, say amen. Ah, good to hear you still with me. Better is the poor man who walks in integrity than one who perverts in his ways, though he be rich. You see that? God says, better is the poor who walks in his integrity. See, God says, I, I, I value integrity. That's what God says. We, we, we value a lot of things. We, we value, you know, good looks. We, we value fast cars, big trucks. We value a lot of things God don't care about. Isn't that right? But if we want to know, here's something we always talk about. Many times we talk about there are certain things that attracts God and certain things that repulse God. He draws near the humble. Humility attracts God. He honors faith. Faith moves the heart of God. Pride causes God to draw back. He resists the proud. Amen? So here we see that integrity is another thing that pleases God and attracts the smile of God. Better. God says better. Now, we don't say that. Man doesn't say that. Man judges things a lot different than God, doesn't he? But God says, better is the poor man who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. God says, if he doesn't walk in integrity, in my sight he's poor. David's talking about walking in integrity. And if we're going to be the people God wants us to be, our goal in life is to live above reproach, to be men and women that are blameless and men and women that walk in our integrity. Again, it's important to measure by God's scales because His scales will be the only ones that matter on that day. And God says, integrity matters to me. If you're in the habit of making short lies, little, little white lies, God is not pleased with that. If you're in the habit of, uh, of not keeping your word, God is not pleased with that. And as I examine myself, I'm going to ask, do I honor my word? We're talking about integrity. Do I honor my word? If you don't honor your word, why should anyone else honor your word? 
We love God because He honors His Word, don't we? Don't we love the Lord? We run to the Bible because God's Word is true and we get blessed by the Word and we know God can't lie. We love God because His Word is honorable and honest and true. God says, I want the same thing for my people. I've got to ask myself, I've got to ask myself, do I honor my Word? Do I live in the light of God's presence continually? Do I have a God consciousness? You know, God's as much with you in Walmart as He is right now. Now, He comes in a different measure. He comes in a different dynamic, different way. But He's there. The one that we're unbare before, the one that opens us up. Remember Hebrews? He opens it up. I ask myself, do I pay my bills? Do I keep my commitments? Do I practice what I preach? Am I the same in public as private? We're talking about living above reproach. Talking about walking in integrity. If I'm going to be a man or woman of God living above reproach, it starts out with an honest examination. Honestly, the name at first thought, walking in integrity. Look at the end of this first verse here. Vindicate me, O Lord. I've walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. I won't waver. This is interesting now. I won't slip. Integrity brings a safety and a security and a stability to a life. Wow. A man of integrity is a man who trusts in the Lord and that produces a secure walk, a stable life. Building that house upon the rock. Amen? The storms come, but that house stands. Trials come, but that house stands. Why? Built on a rock. Not, not built on just platitudes, but built on a reality of how one lives. I shall not slip. Walking in integrity is a byproduct of trusting God sincerely. The one that truly trusts God will walk sincerely before God. That kind of trusting brings a defense to a life. That kind of trusting brings direction to a life. You know how Psalm 125 talks about they that trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion that cannot be moved but abideth forever. Amen? They trust in God. And, and again, as I trust in God and I walk in my integrity, it brings a stability to my life. Things begin to happen. Others get nervous. But when there's nothing to get nervous about, you just walk on. Amen? You know, some people get nervous. That preacher gets preaching. Pre- I, I, amen. I'm, I mean, you're going to preach? Preach it hot, brother. I'm, I'm, my heart's pure. Amen? Uh, no, no. Go ahead. Preach it. I don't bother me. You know, you know, I never get that old man of God. I, <laughs> oh, they don't make them like they used to. I never get that old... My brother Condenin, he said one time, he said, you know, you know, if there's a pack of dogs out in that parking lot after church... And Brother Keith and I pick up stone on it, get rid of these packs, and we throw a stone out there. The only one that howls is the one that gets hit. See, sometimes people howling, you know they got hit. Amen. You, you know the Holy Ghost is saying, right? Do you see what I'm getting at? If everything's good, you're saying, Amen, preach it. Amen, preach it. That's truth. That's Bible. That's the Word. That's what we need in this present. So again, when there's a trusting God, it leads to an in, leading a life of integrity. That brings a strength and a stability to my life. It brings a defense to my life. It brings a direction to my life. One of our favorite verses, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. 
but in all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge Him in what? He shall. Yeah, He'll direct you. There's direction as we trust and we walk out in integrity. You know, I'm looking at two verses here. Again, the man or woman of integrity. Integrity produces stability and strength in a life. We're not nervous every time things go bad because we know things are right between us and God. And the stock market can crash and the pandemic can get worse than it's ever been before. But you and I keep singing God's praises. You and I keep walking, singing, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Can you say amen? Why? Because things are right between me and God. Things are right between you and God. When you know you're living pure, don't got to worry about it. If you don't, Look, if you would, Proverbs 11 and verse 3. New King James. Proverbs 11 and verse 3. The integrity. Like here's a blessing of integrity. When I walk in integrity. People wind up in a mess. Every these people that come to you, and they, you, know, they haven't seen them, you haven't seen them in six months, they come up and they're in a mess. And you want to say, how would you get in that mess? And, and, and they, 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 they act like they're surprised how they got in the mess. And they say, well, you make stupid decisions, you often wind up in a, in a what? In a mess. But the Bible says the integrity of the upright will guide them. Now, the duplicity or the hypocrisy of the sinner will mess them up. But the integrity, the blessing. You know, we talk about this and we say, amen, praise the Lord. But it's not always easy to walk in integrity. I remember some years ago reading the paper. I always keep up in the old sports from back home. I keep up on the high school football and wrestling and everything else. Just can't get it out of me. And um, I'll never forget looking at the paper one time and one businessman, he's being arrested for doing something shady, all right? I said, good Lord, that guy used to attend my church. I said, my Lord, have mercy. Church I grew up in. And I knew he knew God. But you see, it's easy to start compromising. You see, it's easy in this world where there's temptations. Oh, just cut a corner on that business deal. That's not integrity. Just lie. That's not integrity. Oh, the integrity of the upright will guide him. That one brother, his duplicity and hypocrisy got him a prison term. Wow. You know, sometimes when the pressure is on and it costs you to walk in integrity, then it's not always easy. The integrity of the upright will guide them, will order your steps, will lead you in the righteous path with a blessing and smile and the mercy of God is in abundance. But the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. And here this says, um, we, we, we compare the integrity with the unfaithful. So it's when I make my choices, then my choices make me. Isn't that right? But when I choose integrity, it'll guide me in God's path. It'll bring me into a place where God can bless me and God can use me and God can smile upon me. Oh, look at um, Proverbs 13 and 6. NIV, Proverbs 13 and 6. So again, integrity will guide me and integrity will guard me. Integrity will guide me and integrity will guard me. Oh, we want to live beyond reproach. 
We want to live pure and sincere and honest in this corrupt world. Righteousness guards the man of integrity. Guards the man of integrity. But wickedness overthrows the sinner. Righteousness guards the man of integrity. You see, it protects us. It gives no place to the devil. Integrity. You see, no matter how much I love you, no matter how much God loves you, He's not going to change the law of gravity for you. How many know that? Isn't that right? God loves you. Get on that roof and jump. You're going to, right? Lead balloon. Isn't that true? Law of gravity. Isn't that right? Doesn't God love you? Of course He loves you. Aren't you His child? Of course you're His child. Why are you going to fall? Law of gravity. You can't break the law of gravity. You know there's a law greater than the law of gravity? Whatever a man soweth, that he shall also... That's an eternal law, isn't it? That's in the book. That's an eternal law. You can use it to bring blessing into your life. You can sow integrity. If you'll walk in integrity, you'll make decisions based on integrity. You'll live a life of integrity. God says, I'll guard you and I'll guide you. But if I choose to think somehow I I can cut corners and ignore the principles of God's Word and then somehow avoid a harvest, you can't pray for crop failure, man, after you're sowing all that seed. Isn't that true? So it has nothing to do with doesn't God love this person? It's as simple as there's eternal laws. And one of God's laws said, you know what? If you'll walk in integrity, God says, I will guard you and I will guide you. If you'll walk in integrity, it'll bring a security and a stability to your life. If you'll walk in integrity, it'll bless your children. Now, if you choose the other things, you'll reap the other things. But it had nothing to do with God loving one person and God not loving another person. It has everything to do with, I make my choices, then my choices make me. Talking about being a people of integrity. Oh, Lord, help us. See, faith produces integrity. Faith produces integrity because if I really believe it, I'll live it. Believing produces behaving. How many know that? Because when the Bible talks about real faith, it's not just a faith of mental assent. It's a faith of action and obedience. The Bible says in the book of James that even demons believe and they shudder. Amen? So there, there, there's a faith that, that's not a God-applauding faith. But we need to be doers of the Word. Because faith without works is dead. And when I really believe, it affects how I behave. If I really fear the Lord, it'll affect how I live. If I really believe that Bible, it'll affect how I live. If I really trust the Lord Jesus as my shepherd and king, it will affect how I walk and how I talk. David held integrity as his principle. And then David walked in it as his practice. Look at that tail end of verse 1. I've trusted in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide, I shall not slip without wavering. Spurgeon said a few interesting thoughts here. Let me just read them to you. Faith is the root and the sap 
of integrity. It fuels. It's the energy of integrity. Faith is that. Because he who leans upon the Lord is sure to walk in righteousness. Faith trusts God enough to do things His way. Faith trusts God to accomplish His will and fulfill His promises. Spurgeon says, why should I steal when God has promised to supply my needs? You see, integrity says, I'm going to believe God to do what God will do. I don't need to do it the world's way. I don't need to cut corners to do it the world's way. I can walk in honesty. If God can't bless me in honesty, He's not the God of the Bible. Why should I avenge myself when I know that the Lord will uphold my cause? Why should I get ugly and angry and act like the world when I know the Lord said, I'll defend you and vengeance is mine? You see, confidence in God, faith in God is the most effective security against sin. And it's truly trusting in God that fuels that integrity. The temptation comes lie. Be dishonest. But because I trust God and fear God, I'm going to answer even if it hurts me in the present. I'm going to do what's right even if it's going to cause me some pain temporarily. You see, but if I don't trust God, if I don't really believe, if I don't really fear God, then I think I can get away with anything. Then I can just act first and ask. David is teaching us about living above a reproach, about walking in integrity. Our first thought, an honest examination, verses 1, 2, 3, and our first thought was walking in integrity. We have to pray, Lord, I, I must be determined and committed to a walk of integrity. I'm not going to walk double-minded. I'm not going to walk hypocrisy or duplicity. But integrity means sincerity and wholeness and consistency before God and before man. And there's great blessing upon integrity. So our first thought is we begin walking in integrity. Next time, verse 2, and we'll just pause with that. Look at verse 2 where David says, we're going to practice now moral examination. David says, examine me, O Lord. Prove me. He's inviting God. He's inviting God. He's not hiding from God. He's not running to find a place where they preach anything that, nothing that will hurt you, nothing that will wake you up. Amen? David, David's inviting God. David is inviting divine scrutiny because he so longs for divine approval. How much do you want divine approval? Then you're willing to say, Lord, search my heart. Because I can miss it. You know what I mean? I, I, I can fool myself, right? The heart's deceitful. But Lord, I really want to know I'm right with you. Lord, I really want to know that I'm pleasing you. So he says, that, you know, in your NIV, it'll say, test me, try me, examine my heart. And he invites God to do that. And that is one of the biggest keys to growing and maturing spiritually. Having the willingness to allow... This is called being yielded and surrendered. This is going into next week. We ever Remember when you took the, the toddlers to the doctors when they were about three? 
in that cold table, examination table, and they're under underwear, and they're cold, and they're giggling, and they're all ticklish, and kind of hard for that doctor to examine them. You ever remember that? Remember you have to bring in them little ones, and that doctor try to put that stethoscope there, and they jump here, and try to touch them over here, and they're giggling, and they're cold, and it's, it's and, and that's how some believers are. And God says, listen, if you really want my divine approval, it demands that you allow me to examine you with my word and with my Holy Spirit. You've got to stop wiggling. You've got to stop trying to and just allow me to prod and allow me to probe. And, and we have to listen. I want, we have to trust God enough to allow God to search our hearts. See, that's a key. That's a key. Amen? I'm going to tell you, when we talk about these things and someone could be sitting there, well, you know, you're a little, little you know, extreme. Well, listen. That divorce, that adultery didn't start overnight. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that business deal that got the guy prison time, that didn't start overnight. But a little seed of discontent, a little seed that we ignored when the Spirit was grieved. Amen? Uh, a little seed. We read the verse and we just kind of shrugged it off or we heard a sermon we just kind of pointed at someone else. So, great tragedies start out with little compromises. Great tragedies begin with little cracks in the foundation of a person's faith or integrity. So, those of us that want to live above reproach, we're going to practice examination and allow the Word and the Holy Spirit to search our heart. Because I would rather the Lord point out something in me when it's just a little crack that I can repair and then, then to wake up and say, how did I get here? To wake up with rubble all around me and say, my Lord, how in the wow? Are you with me? Amen. We pray, Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the life of David and the example He gives us on striving to walk in integrity. We thank You, Lord, that David, a man after Your own heart, shows us keys to living a life where we're pure and we're right in Your eyes, in Your eyes. Lord, help us to be courageous enough to live this life wholeheartedly even though we're surrounded by a world that has fallen and anti-God in so many ways. But Lord, help us to trust You enough that we will allow You to examine us. We will allow You. And if Your Holy Spirit touches something, we won't argue with You, Lord. We'll say thank You, Lord, for showing us and please wash us and cleanse us. Because we do want your divine approval. We love you. And we're so thankful, Lord, for how you died for us. We're so thankful, Lord, for how good you've been to us. We don't want to sin against you, Lord. We don't want to grieve your spirit in any way. So, Lord, help each one of us to grow, to mature, to be those men and women of integrity that you want us to be. Help us, Lord, to be yielded that you might search us and you might try us, that we might find vindication in your eyes. In Jesus' name and all God's people said,
God bless you. Don't forget your offering and your social distancing. God bless you. We'll see you on Sunday.